I think that the evidence is on the wall. I, I think that when we say it's not working, yeah. it's not hard to find the evidence to back that up. So, um, so I so there's on on one side there is um, there is a need for um, those activists to say. Uh, to be, get better at present at just pointing to the evidence, like pointing to. So when the when the disgust comes and say, how could you say such a thing? Like we that question of how could you say such a thing? I've seen in my clients how that can be really intimidating. Yeah. So so that question, how can you see such a thing, needs preparation for. Yeah. Like we need to prepare to answer the question of how can you say such a thing. Yeah. Um. And then there is the side that you're talking about, about the openness to be willing to look at the evidence. And that openness to look at the evidence comes from a place of genuinely caring about the issue. So if we're talking about inequality, then um, the, leader, the, the leader that has somebody, a director say, the CEO that has a director say, we're not, this is not working, that is a provocative statement to an ear that is, is, is is, is hell-bent on getting this, this issue handled. Actor Peter Finch played Howard Beale in the 1976 movie classic, Network. In the movie, he was so frustrated with work, chasing ratings and likes, and after losing the Influence Awards, yelled on air, I'm mad as hell and I'm not gonna take it anymore. Well, you just heard a bit of a conversation with Dion Johnson, the womanologist and the author of The Influential Woman, a fresh approach to tackling inequality and leading change at work. She and I discussed after, after 50 years, everyone is suffering from fatigue. Women and people of color are tired of being marginalized and in quiet corners, white men are talking about diversity fatigue. They are tired of getting it wrong and they want real answers that lead to real solutions. On the other hand, McKinsey and company, in partnership with LeanIn.org, reported in their fourth annual report on women in the workplace that one in four women are saying, I'm not taking this anymore. There has got to be a better way and are considering leaving the workplace, the corporate workplace. But is leaving going to solve the problem and is it really feasible? Well, Dion and I talked about other options one that gives women the tools and strategies to make their world a little bit better. Listen to Dion Johnson, the womanologist, and I talk about being different and embracing her uniqueness turned into a superpower. Everyone, welcome Dion. Hey, Dion, how you doing? I'm so good. Really good to be here, Denise. Good, good, good. So, you know, I want people to know you. I want them to embrace you as much as I've embraced you. Um, so tell us something about yourself and where you live just a little bit so that we get a sense of how did you get to be as fabulous as you are right now? Uh, thank you. So I live in London. I am so a city girl born in West Country in Bristol, a little town, well, not a bit of a town, a second city of the UK, Bristol. Um, so I've always been a city girl 
just really um, passionate about, just with a real pinch of the truth. I think that's how I can describe myself growing up. Just, uh, 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 just really caring about righteousness, you know, caring about things going right. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I was in my teenage, I moved to London to set up world in nursing. I, I trained as a nurse early on in my career. And, um, and it's been growing ever since. My main career was midwifery. So I spent a lot of years just hanging out with women who were doing perhaps the most womanly deed of all, bringing forth babies, um, pregnant and birthing. And that's where I just fell in love with the power that I call womanity. Mm. Just the strength of woman the strength of womanity mm -hmm. that I really, I was enamored with it, I was caught up with it, and I, I just wanted to know about it. So I've studied, I've studied womanity, mm -hmm. I've, I've hung out with womanity, I've led and supported womanity. Mm -hmm. And so when I got really fed up of being a midwife and went into um, the corporate space, building my own um, coaching firm, coaching consulting firm, it felt natural that um, even though I had a brief period of coaching anybody that it felt natural to really go back to what I know best and coach women and coach women in senior leadership for reasons that I'm sure we'll get into as we talk later on today but you know just really hanging out with women going through challenging processes is like my place in the world it's where I come alive it's where I do my best work it's where I where I'm just where time stands still that that, I, that I'm, I'm wired for that kind of work and helping women to really bring forth bring forth the new bring forth bring forth whatever it is that's in them that they're carrying that they want to deliver into wherever they are yeah. right now it's women bringing forth new ideas new visions new dreams new solutions um for the marketplace their sphere of influence yeah 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 and and so it's it's interesting so this womanity yeah. how do they go to womanologists so where did yeah. that bridge come from so then the link with woman is obvious right it's that being a midwife for so long but what happened was that even when i in my coaching where I was coaching people on always to do with their careers and leadership, you know, so as my clients would come to me, you know, say they came because they had conflict with their boss or, you know, they're, they're struggling with work-life balance or they're looking to redefine their, who they are as leaders or whatever they came with, that the work always seemed to keep coming back to this identity piece this work mm -hmm. always seemed to be coming back to who are you mm -hmm. and oftentimes the feedback would be that they came because they had the conflict or they had this crisis at work but what really got healed what really got touched what really got transformed and changed in some way was their inner woman Mm -hmm. that they would re they would repeatedly give me this feedback it was their woman it was their womanity my word that was being touched that was being revived and one client said to me one day it's like you're a woman doctor not mm -hmm. a gynecologist mm -hmm. not a gynecologist she said but you know like a, a womanologist mm -hmm. and so that's how it already came yeah, yeah. Came. <laughs> you know what you described this is something that anybody can go through yeah. And that is this idea that I've been doing this so long, I'm stuck and I, I need to, I need to make a change. 
Yeah. I need to go a different way. And you mentioned that when you, you've been a midwife for a very long time, and then yeah. suddenly you decided, you know what, I need to go somewhere else. Talk, talk yeah. a little bit about what it, first of all, what was it that made you go, bing, it's time to leave. But what was the yeah. process of going through that? Because I think that's relatable to everyone. Yeah, so th this is really powerful because um, some of the people that were feeling the same way as me when I left are actually still there. Mm. which frightens me yeah really frightens me so what happened was i was a midwife i was leading a team i was pioneering the service yeah. so i i so as a midwife i, I mean it, i was a midwife to my core i was mm -hmm. you know enthusiastic about it. i'd leap out of bed in the morning i was really I found my place in the world and it was it was life to me and supporting these women was life to me and as I was going about my business I noticed that there was a group of women that weren't being served right that uh, it was a uh, young women young girls teenagers that you know they were hard to look after they 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 put a strain on the service mm -hmm. and it didn't take long for me to understand that it put they put a strain on the service because the service wasn't tailored to meet their needs elegantly mm -hmm. and so i had a conversation with my boss and we we developed this service and so uh i i led the development of this very bespoke service for this these vulnerable young girls and their families and it was world changing it's really great service mm -hmm. but it was like anything like after a while after about 12 or 13 years of doing this it was a really full-on role because i had um, pioneering responsibilities and leadership and daily management responsibilities as well as midwifery responsibilities and so my plate was really full and yeah. over time that really started to take its toll yeah so i could feel that i could feel the disgruntlement mm -hmm. like it, this work and this demand was no longer fitting in with my personal life i was a single parent at that point and whenever it was that i had to be on call because i had to be on call sometimes my daughter would really have to be farmed out to other people to look yeah. after that didn't that didn't feel good and then the other thing was that you know i just i just i just could feel this um disquiet building up on the inside of me like there's more for me than yeah. this yeah. but i didn't yeah. i couldn't articulate what that other more was but i just i could feel this sense of awakening that that i was i was stuck here now this wasn't joy anymore this wasn't fun anymore and i didn't and i i, I wasn't i wasn't in tune with my clients like i was when i was alive and vibrant I, mm -hmm. so i just kept feeling like it's not fair to it's not fair to feel like this in mm -hmm. in this kind of role mm -hmm. where you where your wellness is so important in the wellness of the outcomes you know like mm -hmm. I, a midwife yeah, yeah. really needs to be alive and well to to care for these women well yeah. so i just i i thought about it deeply but i i've been learning i've been working on myself i've been yeah. working on myself you know through previous years yeah. and i knew that it was not going to be right to just keep ignoring the calling that I was feeling to try something else to, right. to go for something more. Right. So I sidestepped for a long time, you know, just sort of same position, same level, same kind of role, but different, different 
you know, different corner of the organization. Or I, I call it sidestepping, where I kind of try to liven my career up with a little nuance, with a little change, with a little shifting here and there and everywhere. But it was all sideways. Mm -hmm. And that's when I discovered that I was really struggling to see myself mm -hmm. as a higher level leader. Mm -hmm. I knew how to do it here, but I wasn't confident in my ability to lead at a higher level. I right. didn't recognize that I had that in me and right. actually had belief systems unknown to me before that point that said that you know I'm a black woman in a white man's world I'm a disfigured in a facially I'm facially different in a beauty obsessed world I'm a Christian in a secular world and all of these things about me don't don't fit the profile don't fit the type of person who they let mm -hmm. who they let go up there I began to discover these thoughts and feelings in my own mind and heart yeah. and I decided that I was going to do something about that so you know I mean I, I can say it really in one sentence in hindsight but it took ever so long to be able to put those pieces together but my deciding to hand my notice in and really not even be sure where I was going or what I was going to do was um it felt scary but it mm -hmm. felt like an imperative because it mm -hmm. wasn't fair for the women that i was serving in that role in that capacity to be subpar yeah. and sticking it out anyway yeah staying where you were why do you think yeah. you changed but the others didn't because you said some are stuck yeah well i you know my mum was a nurse right my mum was a nurse all her life and uh and um you know, when I decided that I was going to leave midwifery, she was horrified, mm -hmm. horrified. I mean, what about your pension? Mm -hmm. You know, what about, you know, like, no, no, I, I, I like you being a midwife. You know, I, I, I tell my friends how proud I am of you of being a midwife. It's, there's, you know, being a midwife is a respectable job. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's well respected. It's, it's a high level job. It's, you know, you look, it's, it's good for you to be a midwife. You know, people respect that. And so I think that there is this, there's this fear mm -hmm. around leaving good mm -hmm. for the unknown mm -hmm. or leaving good for great. Yeah. You know, there's, there is, there's, there's, so I've worked so hard to get here that, you know, I should stay here. <laughs> Right. whether I'm happy or not, you right, know, right. whether I'm doing a good job or not, right. whether I'm growing or not. Right. And, and this thinking, like I see people and to be fair, you know, I, I've worked with some brilliant people in my past, but I, I could feel the fatigue of the other people as I was growing in fatigue. I could feel that that same level of fatigue. Right. But people are so afraid of their pensions. People are so afraid of, you know, losing face, failing at starting something, else, you know, um, failing at the energetic demand of starting again. Yeah. Like that the, 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 they, the, they really, they really resist it. Yeah. And they switch off. I see people use all kinds of mechanisms, psychological and, 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 and mental mechanisms to switch off the part of them that's desiring more. As if, you know, it's not allowed, like don't, it, that this call for more is an unwelcomed one. This call right. for, for one to step into the unknown, to grow, to, to fly, to spread your wings, to explore, to have adventure, is, yeah. is, 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 is feels too risky, too dangerous. And I see yeah. too many people yeah, yeah. fobbing that off. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because the way you describe 
what how you emerged and that's kind of what it is you went it you had yeah. to go into a cocoon and wrestle with the the way people had wrapped you before to find yeah. a different way to be right yeah yeah i have no clue yeah, I have no oh, clue yeah. and what, and what did that, that mean and how you were yeah. going to emerge and what did that look like etc it's the yeah. same kind of of struggle that i find that um you know women have with this idea of the imposter syndrome yeah and you and i've had previous conversations offline before this podcast about you know do, does it really exist or is it a label that has been put on people so that yeah. they are comfortably wrapped in a cocoon that says oh that's what's wrong with me when yeah. what's not but that's not what it is yeah that's definitely happening so i've noticed even in the last five years i've noticed this kind of wearing imposter syndrome like a badge of honor kind yeah. of thing yeah. so i've noticed this like people have heard a lecture or two on imposter syndrome and they go yeah that's it and they own it they own it uh, saying that I don't believe it's a fallacy that, that the syndrome doesn't exist. I do believe that there there's um there's there are elements of real reality in in the description of or, or the definition of imposter syndrome. And what I is really, that? Because I think there's a lot of bad information out there. Yeah. So in your well, mind, you know, what is the definition? Well, yeah. Well, I, I. So here's how I see it. I got really into um, the. I got I, I started to talk about the imposter syndrome because what was happening was I was working with these brilliant women who were in senior leadership and uh, they had they had high position yes high position and they were undeniably brilliant smart savvy women mm-hmm but we were having a conversation because they were having some kind of conflict in work. Yes. And so we would sit down and what I would see time and time again with these women is what I kept seeing with myself as I've journeyed through my own journey. Right. Is that there's, there's a part of us that knows that we are great mm-hmm. and that, that compels us to push and climb and and go up this ladder right but there's this other side of us that is all up in our heads questioning whether we whether this was just a fluke whether we just got there by accident whether we sort of slipped through some kind of net whether um you know whether we whether you know we're going to just get outed any minute now like someone's going to just turn the lights on and they're going to see that i shouldn't really be here yeah and so there's this this is real this is this is real sometimes very hidden sometimes very deep and sometimes very top of head very very mindful but that's what i refer to as imposter syndrome and it's complicated because it's not the same for everyone it's nuanced it's 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 convoluted it's there's a many facets to it but generally my definition of imposter syndrome is when you are preoccupied with a thought like um like like your like your achievements and your your accomplishments professionally are unmerited like like you know you can't quite get with 
embracing that yes you did that yes you belong there so i've seen that and it's real for some women but it's not the same even women some women are wearing this as a badge of honor when actually it's not imposter syndrome at all yes and and so as i hear you say this you know in america black women in particular they they struggle or at least the ones i'm talking to we really struggle and i had to go through mine of it wasn't that I didn't believe in my achievement, yeah. but I understood it is a fight of the system. And in our previous yeah. conversation, we talked about, we have to, we have to get people who, you may have the syndrome, yeah. but the syndrome is based on this idea yes. of you are not welcomed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the welcome, unwelcomeness of when you don't have included or you don't feel belonging yeah. and include it in the organization. Yeah. What you're really yeah. battling is this idea of, do I want to be the person who is going to bust that bridge? And yeah. am I willing to emerge as yeah. a person who's going to help this organization, particularly at the senior levels, yeah. find a way to embrace and make people feel welcome? And, and there are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of reasons why the answer might be no. You know, from if you lose this job, you generally are the primary breadwinner for your family. Your children might not have. Your yeah. significant other may lose something. You lose face. It's five yeah. times more difficult for you to find another job yeah. Yeah. Um, to do it. And so it's not that it's not real. Those, yeah. are, those are calculated risks yeah. that one has to go through and think, before they say, I'm going to, to move into it. And so yeah, that's the reason why I think we, it's not that we differ, but I think we have to call, we have to have a more full definition. I don't th so here's the thing. I think that there are some straight up um, imposter syndrome carrying black women. I yeah. do. But here's what I think is nuanced about black collectively, black women collectively. Yeah. Is that, I feel I, it was in our conversation that I coined the term unwelcome syndrome. Yeah. If I talk personally, what I, what I see, what I've experienced personally is that, is that it's not, the, in this climate of diversity and inclusion, mm -hmm. in this climate of, um, where inequality is no longer an, an, a misunderstood word or you know where it's part of the normal lexicon of leadership mm -hmm. there are all these activities to mm -hmm. have us to have us invited to the party mm -hmm. yeah. so so we, we black women who are brilliant are are as smart as anybody as able as anybody yeah we have accepted the invitation and we have worked our butts off to to step up onto the first rung of the ladders and our steps are wider inequality is a real thing yeah. so even access to even systemically systemically, systemically yeah. right so there's all of this work that we have to do to just stay level with our peers yes. our, our white peers Absolutely. to be able to just get in the room right and then I, what I've experienced personally and heard and reflected to me by some of the people that I've worked with is that it's not like they want, they don't, they didn't mean the invitation. The invitation is genuine to be in the room, for us to be in the room. 
But I feel like we're unwelcomed to be fully in the room. Yeah. I feel like we're unwelcome to be powerful. Yeah. I feel like we're expected to honour the privilege of being invited right. to the room. I feel like we're expected to be grateful and to behave like we're grateful. And, and, and there's this sort of hanging question if we dare to challenge things, even things that need to be challenged, you know, because of the organisation in line with the organizational mission even if we're challenging things in line with the organizational mission say that just to show up as our black and beautiful powerful elegant selves is problematic yeah it feels like um wh who do you think you are um trying to challenge the power dynamic yeah. And this is not communicated in those words. Right. It's communicated in a gazillion nuances and microaggressions and and even less than microaggressions yeah. yeah. that 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 help us to learn our place, help us to learn that when that yeah, we've invited you in the room, but don't get it twisted, you're still a black woman. <laughs> and this is how it goes with white and black people. <laughs> And this is all unsaid. It's all kind of in the atmosphere. It's, it's all the in the systemic. It, it's, it's the that, culture. It's back to that thinking right. of what we've been talking about before. Right. In terms of, you know, when you get into it, there's a, there's a, a model, there's yeah. a belief system, there's a character yeah. Um, yeah. attribute that shows yeah. up from a behavior that yeah. says, this is how the game is played. Yeah. You don't get to come in here and change the yeah. game because I've been winning at the game yes. and I know how to do this. And if I right. don't have the growth mentality, if I don't have this constant pushing back and forth yeah. in terms of who I am as a, how my character, how my values are lived yeah. and what does it mean to yeah. be this kind of leader who really opens and wants the best ideas yes. to surface and to be able to navigate the conflict that comes when people have, yeah. you know, good ideas that are really, it's really, it's not a lack of good ideas that is the problem. It's how yeah. do we select one yeah. and make it work, particularly when yeah. it wasn't your idea because yeah, this the current is what system, exactly, yeah. the current system rewards the hero. The one yeah. who came up with the idea that we're yeah. going to do it. And so there's this yeah. level of cultural co competition. Competition. Right, right. That is and, overlaying all of this. And the, the problem is that it's often functioning just below the consciousness. Yes, exactly. It's, it's, exactly. it's functioning just before the so so it's not owned, it's not overt, it's not uh, it's not a set it's no, it's not um it's a rule it's book. not a, Yes, right. It's not yes, yeah, and it's not no acknowledged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There's no book. You know, like right. I'm going to learn golf. Here's the right. book on golf. Here's yes. the book on bowling. Here's right, <laughs> right. So you know, so so proving it is hard. Yeah, you know, talking about it is is poo pooed and dismissed and right. waved away as no 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 look you're in the room aren't you if you want to be as powerful as me you all you, all you need to do is step up like you know th th it's just not acknowledged and this is what i believe the new one like the, the i can speak personally and professionally with the women that i've cared for and supported just how undermining and how how difficult how energetically expensive it is to be dealing with this um 
day in, day out, year yeah. in, year out, yeah. decade in, decade out. It takes and its generationally. And generationally, on, right. we're passing it on, we're passing on that these right. are the rules. This is how your situation is going right. to be. Right, right. This is what you're going to encounter. And so yeah. what we're doing is programming everyone to believe yeah. that what you're going to get is, is this, so yes. we set up our training, we set yeah. up the way we talk about it, we set up the way the system is, so that yeah. that's exactly what you experience. And that's I have, where the new thinking has to come in at. I have, in, I'm one that's challenging leaders and the system <clears throat> to see it yeah. and call it out. Yeah. But first, in order for me to even put myself, put my head above the parapet and say, hey, this is what's happening, I've had to go through a whole load of changes and healing and working out things myself yeah. because it has felt dangerous. You and I have just finished writing books and I, you know, I, I we've spoken about the challenge of that process in and yeah. of itself. Yeah. But for me, I, it was almost like post-traumatic stress disorder yeah. writing my book because I realized that I, that I was saying that I didn't realize but what it transpires to be is that to say to express myself felt dangerous yeah. to share my truest thoughts and to reveal who i really am yeah. and to speak in my truest voice as my truest self right. felt dangerous yeah. some days i could some weeks i couldn't write right. even though i have all of this to say and all of this to present and all that all this desire to share it right. some of it i couldn't write right. and it was nonsensical it's taken me months to recover from the yeah. process and yeah. reflect and see that this is the unwelcome syndrome at play yeah. it's like who do you think you are to be powerful and to say that to me and to challenge me like that yeah. like who do you think you are in previous generations, we have been burned at the stake. We have been hung on trees. Yeah. We've been tarred for th that same act. Yeah. And I branded. have felt it. You're branded, right. And so I have felt it because I, I, I do believe that it's time to call it out. So that's where my, my whole emphasis is, is yeah. that we have to get to the place now where we're ready to face and not be demoralized by the by the lack of acknowledgement yeah. of our peers, you know, acknowledging that this is a real thing. Right. Like I, I feel like we, there's work for us to do. I say preparing to be this powerful, to be able to influence an audience that doesn't want to receive your message. Like this is the work that we have to be about right now because it's possible and it's actually the only way that we get people to open up. And I don't believe that we do it by force and aggression. I do, I think, I think the force and aggression comes when we're tired, we're, we're fed up of it, we've been hurt by it for, for too it's long. It's a fatigue. It's a fatigue. It's a fatigue. Yeah. Right, so but we have to come away and heal and get ourselves well yeah. because we have to do this elegantly. And yeah. so that's why I've written the book, that's why I do the work that I do because I feel that we have to do this. I feel that we have to become, prepare to be elegant influencers of an, of an ignorant and um, indifferent and um, closed off audience. Yeah, and, and, and just so I'm clear, ignorant to me is defined as, you know, not knowing. Yeah, yeah, that's Stupid right. Is, hey, that's a wrap. And thank you again from the bottom of my heart for listening to this podcast. 
please leave comments below. I'd love to know what you're thinking. If you liked it, share it. If you didn't like it, share it, because I guarantee it's going to start a conversation that will help you close the gap. I want to thank the C-Suite Radio Network for hosting my podcast. It is the largest network dedicated to the growth and development of leaders worldwide. I'd also like to um, thank Ivan G. Hall for the music that you are currently enjoying. Hey, check him out. He's really a great musician. And finally, I have two other requests. One is, please, please, please leave a review on this, either on Apple or Google or wherever you get your podcast. And the other is, don't forget, please look up my book, Remarkable Leadership Lessons, Change Results, One Conversation at a Time. It's available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble uh, in paperback, as well as Kindle version. Kindle versions. And with that, it's a wrap. Talk to you next week. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.